Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. You are listening to On the Daily, the Rotoviz Daily Fantasy Sports Podcast, powered by Rotoviz Radio. Hey everyone, welcome to the Tuesday, October 10th, 2017 NBA edition of On the Daily, brought to you by Rotoviz Radio. I'm Matt LaMarca, you can find me on Twitter at Matt LaMarca, and I'm joined tonight by Tony East, who you can find on Twitter at TEastNBA. Uh, Tony's going to be a regular contributor for us here at Rotoviz this season. He's going to be with me on the Friday podcasts. We're recording this, unfortunately, on a Monday because I had an issue last week. You can also find him uh, on the Lockdown Pacers podcast as the host, and he's going to be a contributor at Hoops Habit and NBA Math as well. Uh, Tony, how's everything going? Good, man. I'm uh, I'm dreading this Monday, but I'm, I'm excited for this good week. The Pacers have their first home game of the preseason. So. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. I'm pumped. Uh, Tony, like I said, is going to be a regular con- contributor this year at Rotoviz, and I want to just mention the Rotoviz NBA Pass. It's going to give you the access to all of our content this season, uh, and we're planning on, on doing a lot of stuff this year. We're going to have Plays of the Days articles seven days a week, some GPP Plays articles, season-long coverage, a live blog, analytics team, and, and even some other stuff on top of that. If you're a listener to the podcast, you can get a 30% discount to that pass through the rotoviz.com homepage. That's rotoviz.com slash NBA podcast. And we also ask that you please rate and review the show on iTunes. All right, so let's dive right in. Today we're looking at the Central Division. This is the last division that we're going to be previewing in the Eastern Conference. And uh, I hear it's a good one for you. You're you're an Indiana native. So we're going to start right in your wheelhouse with the Indiana Pacers. Their head coach is Nate McMillan. He's the second year coach uh, of this team. Last year, they were 42-40 and 40. offensive-wise and defensive. They were tied for 15th or 15th by themselves in terms of efficiency. They were 18th in pace. Uh, this year, their over-under has dropped way down to 31.5 with, with minus 125 on the under. That obviously has a lot to do with losing Paul George in the offseason. Uh, big underdogs to win the division at plus 6,600. Obviously, with Cleveland being in the division, that makes some sense. As far as additions, they have added Victor Oladipo as part of that Paul George trade. They brought in Boyan Bogdanovich, uh, Darren Collison, and Corey Joseph at the point guard position. Damatis Sabonis, who was a uh, first-round lottery pick last year, and then TJ Leaf. And in addition to Paul George, they lost Jeff Teague, CJ Miles, Monte Ellis, Lavoy Allen, Karen, Kevin Serafin, and Aaron Brooks. So a lot, lot of uh, offense to be made up on the team this year, Tony. How big of a, a leap do we think we can expect Miles Turner to take in year three? Uh, well, you can expect a big one just because he'll de facto have more touches as Paul George has departed. It's going to be very interesting to see between him and uh, Victor Oladipo, who gets a bigger timeshare of those touches that are now distributed between the rest of the roster. But you got to think that given Turner's age and the timeline the team wants to fall on, Turner's going to get as many touches as he could want. Yeah, I think Turner absolutely is poised for a big year. I mean, I don't know how he doesn't lead the team in usage. I mean, like you said, Oladipo will also definitely command a nice share as well. But I I think that his skill set as well is just so diverse. It's going to make a lot of sense to get him as much touches as possible. Um, Averaged 2.1 blocks per game last year, and his usage was sub-20%. So I expect the usage for sure to come up. He's already got the defensive statistics. Um, He can even give you a little bit from the perimeter with the three ball. So definitely a very intriguing guy to keep your eye on earlier in the season. I think the worry with him is, of course, on the glass. He's not the best rebounder ever, but pretty much everywhere else you'd want your post player to excel, especially as a modern NBA post guy with the the shooting, like you just said. Uh, He's above average. You know, they say unicorns. They talk about Porzingis and Anthony Towns, but Turner should be right up in that conversation. Yeah, 100%. Um, talk to me a little bit about Victor Oladipo. What are you expecting from him this year? 
Well, last season was sort of a lost season for him playing in the in the martyr ball system of Oklahoma City. So it's kind of impossible to, you know, use that to project forward for him. But I think with the Magic, you saw him kind of, you know, grow every year, even though he had like a thousand injuries derail his two seasons ago. I think now and it's finally kind of the way he wants to play, which is with the ball in his hands more and being the primary creator. And now he's going to have the perfect opportunity to do that with a lot of space on this Pacers team. And in the first uh, two preseason games, you've kind of seen in transition. The second they get the rebound, they're looking to get it to Oladipo and push. And he, you know, has been that guy creating offense and, you know, leading the transition pack. So you might see him push a lot more and be in a lot more screen plays and facilitate things that he's never really done before. But uh, I think he can do it just given the, his growth in Orlando before Oklahoma City. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, last year, you can definitely throw that out the window. Lowest usage rate of his career, even lower than when he was a rookie in Orlando. So I think that basically you can take everything what he did there with a grain of salt. And you know what's nice with him is you're going to get the peripheral stats. He's averaged 4.4 rebounds, 3.7 assists, 1.5 steals, and half a block throughout his career. So if he can give you those numbers and then improve his scoring a bit this season, I think he's definitely looking like a strong fantasy contributor yeah for sure especially if uh, if you're doing roto and you need like a, a low buy uh points and assists guy Oladipo might actually lead the team in assists so I, I would look no further than him as a buy low guy for that all right anybody else on this roster that you're looking at this season uh I really like Bojan Bogdanovich just because with Glenn Robinson the third's injury he's going to get all the minutes he can handle to start the season and he's a you know 37 percent three-point shooter he can kind of bomb it away I know he's atrocious on defense but this team's not really looking like they're going to try it all on defense they're just going to pump it all into the offense so he could be really fun to watch and could put up some big numbers as his minutes balloon and uh DeMontis Sabonis has looked awesome in the first two preseason games he's been the primary post creator on that second unit, and he shot six for eight against the Cavs the other night in a in a nice comeback victory. So, those are two guys that I would uh, watch as the season goes on, just because I think uh, as their roles expand, they'll uh, they'll kind of come to their own and look better than they than anyone thought in the off season. Do you have anyone you're gonna watch? <laughs> I'm definitely with you on Bogdanovich. I, I've always been a fan of his game. Uh, I think you know with the Robinson injury, he should be playing at least early in the season, thirty plus minutes a night. Uh, I'm also going to keep my eye on Thaddeus Young. I, I think last year he was hurt for a large portion of the season. But this this system, if they're going to play a little more up and down this year, I think that kind of fits his game a lot better. He was uh, you know, uh, pretty good in a similar type system in Brooklyn a few years ago. So if he can, can get out and transition a little bit more, he's always had good steal upside. And somebody's got a rebound on the team, right? If it's not going to be Miles uh, Turner, it's going to be bad, right? So I, I kind of like him a little bit as well as as sort of a um, you know, a cheap DFS option or maybe like a late in your draft uh, roto play. If, if you want a little tidbit on Thad from last year, he was shooting forty percent from three, and then he hurt his wrist right after the All Star break, and after the wrist injury, he shot fourteen percent from three. So you can kind of hope that, you know, if that wrist recovers and he's closer to that 40% figure throughout the season, he could be a really nice threat from deep and, you know, slide right into a role and look better than anyone thought he would be, just like a lot of these guys. Awesome. All right. Um, do you have an X factor for me? Is it too lame to just say Miles Turner? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's got to be him. You know, everyone's expecting him to take the jump, and if he doesn't, the team's really not going anywhere, so... The X Factor is definitely the guy who's going to be uh, seeing the most increase in touches. I'm going with, I'm going with Turner. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I, I think to go a little deeper, what they're going to get from the point guard position is going to be interesting for the team. I mean, relying on Darren Collison and Corey Joseph is certainly, uh, you know, those are two guys that you wouldn't necessarily want to be your starting point guard, but <laughs> I think that they can be effective. I, I really like Corey Joseph from what he's shown as a backup throughout his career. It'll be interesting to see if maybe he can get uh, a little bit more run with this Pacers team. Yeah, the challenge with the point guards, well, maybe this isn't a challenge. This might be a reason they could succeed is that uh, between Joe Young and then the two you just talked about, Carlson and Joseph, none of them are uh, guaranteed contracts next year. They're all playing for their next deal. So maybe you'll see something more from them than you'd expect just because they're all playing for that next deal. But at the same time for the Pacers, they might be trying to evaluate Joseph a little more just because they might want to bring him back on a contract next year, but I doubt they'd bring Collison back. So maybe you'll see a little more Joseph than you'd expect. And, uh, you know, he's a top five backup point guard in the NBA. He even played the two a lot last year with Toronto, almost over 40% of his minutes. So uh, maybe those two guys will have something to show. And I do think you're right that that is a big X factor just because that might be their uh, their strongest position, oddly. 
All right, and uh, we've been doing this on all the previews. Let's get a hot take for the season. Wow. Uh, I think the Pacers are going to be better than people think. Uh, I know their over-under is 31.5. It might have even fallen to 30.5 because people were hitting that under a little more. But uh, I really think they're going to get to 35. Uh, at first, when I went through their schedule, I thought there was no chance they'd even get over 28. But watching them in these first two preseason games, they've kind of evolved their offense with more uh, with more flare screens and DHOs and things like that. And I think that if they can run this cohesive offense and have this nice group of guys that fit together, they might uh, be able to get to 35 in a somewhat weak Eastern Conference. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. I mean, if you look at their roster and compare it to, like, you know, Chicago or even both New York teams, I think that there's more talent on this team than than some of those other, you know, bottom dwellers in the East. So I'm with you on that. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna go on a little bit of a limb and say that Miles Turner makes the All-Star team this year. That's a good one. Uh, I think uh, there's a lot of front court spots available, too. You know, that's kind of been talked about a lot, but... You know, I think he's got a really good chance. Him or Hassan Whiteside are going to be battling for that new available spot in the front court. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you on that 100%. I like Whiteside, too. We talked about him on the uh, the last podcast. If you haven't listened to that, go check it out. I would recommend. Um, all right, let's move on to the next team. We've got the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, they are head coached by Jason Kidd. This is his fourth year in Milwaukee. Last year, they were 42-40. and 40. They were 13th in offensive efficiency at 106.9, tied for 17th in defensive efficiency at 106.4, and then uh, 26th in pace at 96.7, so one of the slower teams in the league last year. Their over-under for this season is set at 47.5 with a little bit of juice wow. on the under. Yeah, it's a big jump. They're expecting <laughs> a lot of things. Uh, division odds, they're plus 600. I believe that's second in the division behind Cleveland, obviously. Uh, and then the fourth best odds to win the East at plus 1,600 and the 10th best odds to win the title at plus 6,600. Uh, no real additions of note. DJ Wilson and James Young is about it. And then departures. Uh, stopping you there. James Young got waived this weekend. So just DJ Wilson in the additions department. All right. Perfect. So even <laughs> less to, to worry about. And then they lost Michael Beasley, Spencer Hawes, and Jason Terry. So obviously the optimism with this team all all stems from Giannis Antetokounmpo. Is there anybody that has a bigger ceiling than that guy heading into this year? No, uh, I I don't think so. And it's funny because every offseason I feel like you hear these media guys and me as well saying, you know, oh my gosh, if if Giannis gets this three-point shot, he's going to be unstoppable. And then he improves everywhere else and he's amazing. And then he doesn't get a shot. And then the next year everyone says the same thing. And he just keeps getting better without adding the shot. I mean, you just can't ask for like a more versatile player. He can literally do anything without the shot. So if he does develop the shot, he'll be literally unstoppable. And if not, he's still unstoppable because he's a top five NBA player almost. Yeah, I hear you. That's... And he's 22. Right. He's still a child. <laughs> the jumper is is key, though, for him, I think, to take that real big next step. I mean, he shot roughly 50% without being able to shoot a jumper last year, which is ridiculous. And, and you mentioned the peripheral statistics are just insane. Almost nine boards a game, five and a half assists, and then three and a half combined steals and blocks. So, Top if, five fantasy guy for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Fantasy-wise, he's, he's just unreal. If he does add a three-pointer, he's the number one fantasy asset in my opinion. I 100% agree. And maybe number one uh, actual real-life player asset. <laughs> all right uh Japari Parker he was sort of the number two last year he's definitely going to be uh battling an injury this year I think I read that he's set to return maybe around the all-star break is this guy just sort of like a lost cause at this point I mean it's weird to say for a guy who was the number two overall pick and has shown some some promise in the NBA but do you trust him to stay healthy and what do you think we can realistically expect from him when he comes back it's tough to say, you know, one ACL injury is like, okay, maybe you can come back and be a com- contributor. And he was he was all right last year when he played. He wasn't very good on defense because, of course, he doesn't want to, you know, get hurt or waste his energy there. But now with two, you know, even, even slower than he already was and he's still young, you know, I don't really know what kind of impact you can expect just because he's going to be a completely different player in my opinion. But he, you could kind of tell he was starting to form a jump shot which uh, he's going to need if he's not as athletic as he was. You know, that was kind of his hallmark coming off the wing and being athletic like Giannis. And that one-two punch was really hard to guard. So he's going to have to develop a shot. And I think you can expect him to at least try to shoot more. <laughs> but I don't know if it'll necessarily go down. Uh, this is a this could be my hot take, but I guess I'll say it now. 
if the Bucks want to try to compete for a title with Giannis because they don't know if they'll have him forever, uh, Jabari seems like a prime trade candidate for someone uh, who's a borderline all-star who becomes available at some point this season to me. I like that take. I mean, I, he definitely feels like the one who's expendable. You know, we'll talk about Chris Middleton in a second, but of those three guys, Jabari's easily the one that I'm most willing to move on from. I mean, Giannis is obviously not in the discussion, but... Um, you know, Jabari, in addition to the injury, he's just kind of like a, like a throwback player in that he's more of like a mid range scorer and you have to play him at power forward because he doesn't really stretch the, the defense from the three spot. So I think he's more of a throwback in that regard. He was very consistent last year. Um, he returned salary based expectations in DFS in approximately 65% of his games last season. Uh, that's per the trends tool over at Fantasy Labs, which is a really high mark. So I think if he comes back and there's no limitations on him, you know, you can feel relatively safe using him as like a cash game option. But there's no guarantee that they're going to do that this year. I mean, they limited Chris Middleton a lot when he came back from an injury last year. I would be very surprised if we saw Parker thrown back into like a big role at any point really this season. Yeah, especially with the the re-signing of Tony Snell, because you already nailed it that he's kind of a throwback four, but at the same time, you know, Giannis, him and Middleton are all kind of threes, basically, who just end up playing like a three-wing lineup, but Tony Snell's better than Jabari Parker right now after these injuries, so it's going to be hard for him to even get minutes and be, you know, that X-factor anyway, and they're going to ease him into minutes, so it'll be, it'll be really interesting to see what kind of impact he has, but I don't think it'll be very big, if any, at all. All right, let's talk about Chris Middleton. Uh, personally, I think he's maybe one of the more underrated players in the league. Uh, I'm not sure about from a fantasy perspective how much value he's going to have, but I think he's a pretty big key to this team. What do you think? Well, last year they were uh, 22 and 29 before Middleton came back, and they ended up making the playoffs and having an over 500 record. I mean, I think that's just a testament to his impact, but uh, talent is not necessarily impact, and talent's what you're looking for in in fantasy so I don't know if Middleton's a great fantasy guy but in terms of impact on the court I mean one of like you said one of the most underrated players in the league he helped the Bucks so much just by being a solid wing defender and a great three-point shooter and he does this weird thing where he's a great shooter but he doesn't shoot unless he's almost like wide open and I feel like he should just shoot more because he's so good at it but again he's so good and he he's a really nice compliment to Giannis too which makes him so valuable to the Bucks. so uh He's huge for the team, really, is my answer. And now having him for a full season, that's might be why their over-under jumped up so high. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like you said, excellent shooter. At least 39.6% from three each of the last four years. Decent steal upside as well. So he does have, I think, some, some GPP ceiling for uh, tournaments in DFS. But again, I think it's kind of going to be an inconsistent situation for him. He's more of like the glue guy to the team while Giannis is going to be sort of the focal point. All right, let's uh, let's talk about a potential X factor for this team. Uh, well, besides the guy we just talked about, Middleton's up there. I think Brogdon is going to be my X factor for sure. Uh, he's kind of got to prove it to me now. You know, he had that good rookie year. He won rookie of the year. He looked pretty good. Now teams know he's coming. Can he, uh, can he keep up that good three-point shooting percentage? Can he continue to be a stopper at the point guard position? Can he keep that momentum going from his rookie year? And at the same time, if he can't, you know, what kind of impact can he have if he takes a step back from that rookie year? Because I'm not sure he's as good as that first season, but if he can prove it, then, you know, the Bucks are legit. Yeah, absolutely. He's definitely a big deal. Uh, I'm actually going to look at Thon Maker here as my X factor because I think that given the way the team is constructed, they're kind of going to need some perimeter shooting from somewhere. And it's weird to say that it might come from the center spot, but that might be what they're looking for this year. He shot uh, about 38% from three as a rookie. He didn't play a ton. He averaged roughly 10 minutes a game, uh, but he's shown the ability to protect the rim a little bit and shoot the three ball. And if he can do that, consistently for them I think that would be a big addition to this team yeah he uh he is a, a limited potential and you know if Brogdon can really be as good as he's advertised to be and Thon can take some steps forward this team is really dangerous and I like that pick of Thon I just you know he didn't play a whole ton last year he would start but he'd get that weird Keith Bogans where he'd start and not play the rest of the half <laughs> right. treatment so it's hard to really read how impactful he was in his minutes he looks great in the playoffs I will say that so you know maybe he can be awesome but I won't say he's going to be I wouldn't say he's the biggest impact guy, but he could be a huge X factor, especially because the rest of their centers aren't exactly uh, the most stellar players. I think they're all in the trade market, actually. Right. All right. Uh, give me a bold prediction for Milwaukee. 
Uh, it seems like when everyone thinks Milwaukee's going to be good, they're bad. And when everyone thinks Milwaukee's <laughs> going to be bad, they're good. But I don't want to say they're going to be bad because they have a top 10 player. But I do think they are uh, closer to 40 than they're over under a 47.5. Just like you said, outside of Middleton, they're shooting. Someone's going to have to do it. And I don't know if Snell can be as good as last year from deep or Brogdon or Thon. And it could make things a lot more challenging for Giannis. So uh, I'm, I'm going to go with they're, they're much worse than people expect for my hot take, especially because I think Jason Kidd might be the worst head coach in the NBA. Yeah, I'm kind of with you there. I, I don't know about the Jason Kidd part, but uh, I'm with you on the under for sure. I, I like any time that the, these are young teams, they get their over-under priced up. I, I felt the same way about Philly. I, yeah. I'm going to feel the same way about Minnesota, I'm assuming, when we get over to the Western Conference. There's always the hype priced into the over-under. So I think you know betting the under on those teams is, is typically a smart decision. Yeah, I mean, I'd probably go under 44.5 with the Bucks. barely. I think 44 would be my number, but, you know, they could easily prove me wrong. Again, Giannis is just unbelievable, but my hot take is uh, they're doing it again. They're going to zig when everyone thinks they're going to zag in a bad way. Right. If they do go over, it's probably because Giannis had an MVP caliber season. Yeah, yep, exactly. You know, and like he averaged, what, 17, 18 points two years ago, and then he won most improved player. You know, it's very possible for him to, you know, take more steps forward. Who knows? This kid's still younger than me, so it's going to be crazy to see him play. Absolutely. All right. Uh, go ahead. Sorry. I was, if you got something to say, throw it in. <laughs> no, I was going to say, <laughs> should we talk about the, the a player better than Giannis now? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Let's Let's get into Cleveland a little bit. They are coached by Ty Lue. Uh, it's his third year with the team. I might I might throw Ty Lue as a candidate to be a worse coach than the Jason Kidd. I can agree with that. <laughs> um, last year, they were 51-31. and 31. They were third in the league offensively at uh, 110.9 points per 100 possession. Defensive, tied for 22nd at 108 points per game. Uh, I'm sorry, per 100 possessions. And pace-wise, basically middle of the pack at 98.4 possessions per game. Their over-under this year is at 53.5 with some strong juice on the over at minus 145. And they are the division favorites at minus 1,000, conference favorites at minus 150, and they have the second-best odds for the title outside of Golden State at plus 450. A lot of off-season maneuvering. They traded Kyrie Irving. That was obviously the big one and brought back Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder. They also signed uh, Derek Rose, Dwayne Wade, Jeff Green, Jose Calderon, and uh, in addition to losing Kyrie, they lost James Jones, Darren Williams, and Derek Williams. So let's start with LeBron. This is year 15 for him now. He's had a lot of miles put on. I mean, he basically has, he's gone to the finals now, what, seven straight years? That is a tremendous amount of minutes for a guy to play. Do you think that there could be any signs of him slowing down this season? I mean, haven't we said that every year since he was 30? (laughs) (laughs) maybe (laughs) last year you know he might have honestly slowed down a little bit but he improved his three-point percentage by quite a bit so he looked um, just incredible last year I mean last year was one of his best statistical seasons ever I have no concerns for him especially because you know he he, he's shredded like he stays in shape so much in the offseason and at the same time he he just knows what he's doing he's going to be in that shape and he doesn't really uh bust his nuts during the regular season at all kind of sits a lot of games out for the rest and doesn't try every night so I, uh, I don't have concerns for his energy or, uh, you know, his effort level, in the, especially when for the Cavs, it's all about the playoffs. So come playoff time, I don't think that'll be an issue. But, you know, maybe he'll slow down a little bit. But I, I'm I'm very skeptical just given that he's been a robot for his whole career so far. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I, I'm not really buying that this guy's even a human being at this point, <laughs> especially without uh, Isaiah Thomas early in the year. I think that he's going to just put the team on his back and do what he does. Last year, without Kyrie on the court, he had a 34.9% usage rate and averaged over 1.5 DK points per minute. So that's Russell Westbrookian right there. That was up there with the best uh, point-per-minute marks in the league. He played the most minutes in the league last year. I don't necessarily agree with that decision, but it, it is what happened. So it wasn't exactly like they were they were preserving him for the playoffs, uh, at least last season. And... You know, again, without without Kyrie, I think that it's just all going to sort of fall at this guy's feet again, and he's going to just be an absolute monster. I have no no qualms about rostering him in DFS or picking him on a season-long team at all. 
Uh, what about Kevin Love? Do you think he could take a step forward this year without um, Isaiah Thomas, at least for the beginning part of the year? Yeah, uh, they're moving him to center, which uh, given that he's so strong on the glass and as a shooter, I think he'll really fit that modern five. I like the, I think it was Kerr. It might have been Stevens. It was one of those really good coaches that said there's no real fours anymore, right? Like you're a three or you're a center, and Kevin Love is now a modern center. And I really think them playing him there, you know, he might struggle a bit on defense, banging with those stronger guys, but I think he's going to do – just incredible on offense now, especially being the second option. You know, he's going to be able to spot up for those threes and bang inside a lot more than he ever was. And given that, like you just said, Isaiah Thomas is out, he'll be the number two option on offense. So a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of those pick and pop or pick and roll plays with, you know, whoever, Rose, Wade, LeBron, any other offensive studs are going to go through him. And he's such a threat that, you know, he's going to succeed in that role, I feel like. Yeah, I'm with you. He was another guy who saw massive production boost with without Kyrie. 1.26 DK points per minute. So uh, obviously they're not just removing Kyrie. They're going to be adding in guys like Rose and Wade who are high usage players themselves. But I think that Love clearly is the number two option now after, you know, being like a like a three for each of the previous two seasons. So I like Love a lot, actually. I think he's a really good solid value pick. And depending on what he's priced at early in the season, he could be a, an awesome DFS play too. I think he's going to be priced so high just because of that expectation that he'll improve with the number two option. So I'd stay away at first. But, uh, you know, who really knows? if he Maybe if he's shooting hot and then IT comes back and he kind of drops some more in the pecking order, he'll still be a big stats guy. So keep an eye out for him uh, around IT's return time. Yeah, that makes sense too. Um, all right, let's talk about Isaiah Thomas a little bit. How do you see the Kyrie-Isaiah swap affecting the offense once he eventually returns? Uh, I think in terms of playing with LeBron, Isaiah Thomas is a better fit. That It's kind of hard to say. Like Playing with LeBron's its own skill, and Kyrie was really good at it, right? Like They won a title together, obviously, but IT still has that same like killer instinct and can get in the lane and score if you need a bucket. But what IT's got over Kyrie is that spot-up three. I mean, they're, Kyrie's still a great shooter, but IT's just a little better on the spot-up especially, and since LeBron's going to be handling the ball so much, I think it'll really help. Uh, defensively, I, I would say they're a wash. I mean, you can say IT's worse because he's shorter, but we're talking about the offense, I guess, mostly. I just think IT's going to you know, fill the role just the same with a little bit better three-point shooting, and the Cavs love running those lineups out. That's just LeBron and four three-point shooters, so I think he's going to fit in just fine. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. I, I want to say that Isaiah was a 98th percentile spot-up shooter last season per synergy. So one of the best spot-up shooters in the league, and that's this team's bread and butter is getting the ball in LeBron's hand, letting him find shooters, letting him, you know, sort of run the offense. So if you can put a lineup out there with with him and, you know, Kyle Korver and Kevin Love, that this might be a three point shooting team that can rival what the Warriors do. <laughs> OK, pump the brakes. <laughs> All right. That's fair. <laughs> Um, let's talk about some of the other new additions. Do you see any of these guys making a big impact this year? Uh, well, I think with like Rose and Wade, you know, a lot of the reason they look so, I mean, I, okay. I think they're both like the people, people are too high on them, of course, like on social media, especially, but at the same time, they both played on kind of mad teams last year and, you know, they shot okay and were bad on defense. But I think a lot of their, uh, their flaws will be masks playing with LeBron and they're going to look pretty good. You know, Rose can still, if Rose shoots 45% again and sucks on defense on the Cavs, that's just what they need, right? Like a guy who can score without the ball going through LeBron and same with Wade. So I, I think they're going to be just fine. You know, someone's going to have to score when LeBron sits, sting, things like that. Crowder, I think, is the the perfect fit for them. They already announced, I think today or pretty recently, that they're going to start him at the four now with all these shifts going on. And, uh, you know, just like I said about Isaiah, he's a good spot up three guy. Uh, analytics and just advanced stats absolutely love Crowder he's an incredible defensive player on the wing takes some burden off LeBron I think he's going to be the the steal that trade with the Celtics so I think they're all going to make an impact in their own unique way I think Crowder is going to be the biggest in terms of the team success yeah I agree with that I wish Wade would sort of embrace like a coming off the bench type of role I feel like he would be perfect fit to sort of run the second unit or even kind of like what he did in Chicago last year where he would get the token start but then come back early and play with the backups. I think that that's sort of his best role. Because again, when we're building our offense through LeBron, we want the perimeter shooting out there, and that's always been his biggest flaw. So I I really think that Wade's best fit on this team would be sort of running the bench units, but we'll see if he's willing to make that happen. 
Well, they I think they said today that they'll have Rose be the well, will I tease out Rose will start and then be the first guy out, but also come in and play with the second units, kind of in that Wade esque role. And I think he could succeed in that just because he can score on second units so well. So, you know, they're kind of going to have that, just not with Wade. With Rose. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. I- I'm a Nick fan. I watched a lot of Derek Rose last year. He looks okay at times, but I mean, he he's, I don't know. I have very low expectations for him. So we'll see what happens. Uh, let's talk about an X factor for this team. I'll go first since I already brought his name up, but I I really like Kyle Korver. I I think that, you know, on this team, he's sort of a perfect fit for what he can do. He's going to give you the spacing. He's going to, you know, knock down three pointers. I know he missed a huge one last year for them in the finals, that if that goes down, this whole off season might've been different, but, uh, he still is one of the best spot up shooters in the league. And it's just, you couldn't pick a perfect player to put in a LeBron James offense. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. I really like Corver as well. And they didn't give up much for him, which makes him such uh, such a nice fit for them. I'm gonna I'm gonna say a guy we haven't said his name yet, Tristan Thompson. I think the goal for the Cavs is just beat the Warriors, right? They don't care about literally anything else besides like just get through the playoffs, get to the Warriors. And as good as Kevin Love can be at center, I think against the Warriors, he'd just be awful there just because you know, they're so good at defense, they can switch on to him, and he'd be so bad on offense being guarded by, you know, whoever anyway. They need Tristan Thompson's rebounding out there just so they can get those misses the Warriors have because if you stop the Warriors and then the Warriors get an offensive rebound, you failed. Like, they're so good at scoring that you have to get those defensive rebounds, and that's what Thompson is so good at. So against the Warriors, I'm going to say that they're going to need to make a switch and have Thompson, you know, be a little better than last year because he kind of struggled on offense. But uh, over the course of the whole season, uh, yeah, I think you nailed that Corver and kind of those Corver Fry guys who are really old shooters. If they can keep up their production from last year, they're gonna. This is just gonna be huge for them, and they'll be fine on their bench units. But if they kind of slump, you're gonna have to rely on Wade and Rose on those second units to score the ball a little too much, maybe. All right, and uh, let's end it with a hot take here. Uh, um, I think they're gonna be a little worse than last year in the regular season. I really do. They added a lot of age and a lot of guys who don't necessarily fit the greatest together. I think they're still obviously the best team in the Eastern Conference, and their title odds reflect that. But I still think they're uh, overall a little worse than last year. And I know we said Robot LeBron, but like he's got to take a step back eventually, right? Maybe he takes a tiny step back, and this team's just a little worse. I still think they'll win the East, but I think they'll be worse. Anti Lou stinks. <laughs> I'm actually I'm going in the opposite direction. I, I actually think they're a little bit better this year. And maybe that's not reflected in the record, but I think come playoff time, the roster just fits together better. Barring Wade and Rose, like those those two things never made a huge sense to me. But I just think that the Isaiah Thomas and Kyrie, uh, I'm sorry, and LeBron relationship is going to be so much better than it ever was with Kyrie and LeBron, where it would sometimes just be like, you know, your turn, my turn type of thing. I think these guys fit together a little bit better and that overall that raises the ceiling of the team a tiny bit. I think that's certainly possible. I just, uh, I'm not on the same page. <laughs> that's fair. We're allowed to disagree. It's actually that's... better when we do. <laughs> we can uh, have a whole podcast arguing about the Cavs potential. That'd be fun. <laughs> All right. I'm going to insert an advertisement here. All right. And let's move on to the Detroit Pistons. They are coached by Stan Van Gundy. This is his fourth year with the team. Uh, sort of a key year for him. I think uh, if he doesn't show something this year, he, I think he's out the door. Uh, they were 37 and 45 last season. Offensively, they were poor, 103.3 points per 100 possessions. That was tied for 25th. Defensively, they were 105.3, which was 11th. And pace, 97.1 possessions per game. That was tied for 22nd. Uh, over under this year is 38 and a half. Division odds plus 2,500. Conference odds plus 7,500. And title odds plus 30,000. Uh, the, the big addition was. Avery Bradley coming over in the Marcus Morris trade. They also drafted Luke Kennard, who there is a, uh, a decent bit of buzz about. They brought in Langston Galloway and Anthony Tolliver to play power forward. Uh, in addition to losing Morris, they also lost Contavious Caldwell-Pope to the Lakers. Uh, Aaron Baines is gone with the Celtics, and they also lost Bino Udre. All right, let's start with Andre Drummond. He's uh, been an interesting player. He he averaged less than 30 minutes per game last year for the first time since his rookie season. What do you think we can expect from him this year? Uh, well, first of all, do you think there's a player whose value in DFS is uh, more disparaging from his on-court value than Drummond? No, absolutely not. <laughs> 
great fantasy guy with all those rebounds. Him and Whiteside are, are two of those guys. But uh, I think Drummond's got a lot to prove. You know, he was great two years ago. That's why he got that max contract. And last year he was just like meh. And his free throw shooting just kills him so much because, you know, all his skills are scoring on the inside and banging around. But teams know they can just foul him hard and make him miss. And they'll only maybe make one of the free throws. So, if his free throw shooting can't really improve, I kind of expect him to be the same as last year with maybe a little more effort just because, you know, he's kind of looked down upon the public guy and he's been in trade talks. But I expect him to at least be a little better on defense. He's kind of slower, but he's a big body. And, you know, he'll just, like, gain defensive IQ as he ages. And on the glass, he'll be the same monster. You know, against the Pacers, he might get 40 rebounds in a game this year. I'm <laughs> exaggerating. But, you know, it's going to all come down to the free throw line for him on offense. It's so sad to say that because it's such a boring thing to say. But if he if he can get to, you know, even 50% at the line, that's one point per possession. That's, that's what they want out of him. Yeah, I mean – he did go six for eight from the line in uh, his only preseason game this year. If you take that with any grain of salt, <laughs> um, which which I really don't. But uh, if you're building a season long team and you're punting the free throw percentage category, Drummond is an amazing target. Uh, other than that, I really don't have a ton of interest in him. In DFS, like you said, in certain matchups, you know, last year against Boston, he was like a guarantee for twenty boards a night. You know, the Pacers, too, are, are another team that were down in the bottom of rebounding rankings. So in in, in matchups where he's going to have 20 rebound upside, he's somebody that I'll, I'll certainly look to play. Uh, he supposedly is in better shape this year. I, I'm, a, I'm with you that I think he's a little bit more motivated after a down season. We'll see what he can do, uh, you know, if, if his minutes will will trend upwards again after moving down last season. There were times where they, they just couldn't finish with him on the court because that's how bad of a free throw shooter he was. So unless he didn't prove that, I don't know if that changes, kind of like you're saying. So uh, my expectations for him are pretty low, but I do think that given the right matchups, I'll certainly look to roster him. I'm with you on that. I think, I guess I, I shouldn't have said high. I should have said my expectations are higher than his stats last year. Right. That's fair. I think he's got an outside chance to lead the league in rebounding. So that, that would be nice for him. Yeah, he'll be a top 10 probably. For sure. um, all right, so last year this this point guard situation was a little bit maddening. Reggie Jackson and Ish Smith um, would sort of <laughs> take turns starting and having good games, and you could never really rely on either of them for daily fantasy purposes, which was annoying. Do you expect any clarity between those two guys this year? Man, what a fall for Reggie Jackson to be compared to Ish Smith. Yeah, um, I know. It's crazy. I don't expect any more clarity, honestly. I mean, Reggie Jackson's still lingering on this injury, and at the same time, Ish Smith like, was okay last year. Like They're kind of the same level of player. The team was better when Ish Smith was on the court last year, and of course that's because of Reggie's injury, but like I said, it's still lingering. So maybe they'll do an even-minute split. That's as clear as I can guess just because I don't know what to expect. But if Reggie's a, even a little better than last year, I'm sure he'll get more run. It's just impossible to say their preseason game did not tell anything at all. Yeah, I honestly kind of hope Ish Smith gets the majority of the minutes just because I think his game lends itself a little bit better to fantasy purposes. He's the higher assist player, so I think that it you know, definitely increases the ceiling for, for his teammates. And when he does have those games where he can put the ball in the hoop, it gives him pretty big upside as well. So uh, I'm kind of hoping Smith takes the reins. Either way, he's somebody that I'm, pr- that I'm probably looking to play more than Reggie Jackson, at least at this point. Definitely. Um, let's talk about Tobias Harris, because I think this guy is another, you know, perennially underrated type player. He actually led the team in minutes last year, despite the fact that he sort of alternated between starting and coming off the bench. Can I do my hot take now? Yeah, go for it. He's the best player on the team, and it's not even close. I li- I mean, I like that. I'm right there with you. I don't know if that's even that hot of a take. <laughs> I don't think people know how really good Tobias Harris is. I actually wrote about him last week in an article. Uh, you know, when he played with KCP, the team was a negative, and when he played without KCP, the t- the team was like a plus three point three net rating. Like he just impacts winning basketball so much, and obviously his fantasy impact is like not amazing. But he scored what eighteen points a game last year. Like he's a stud, and I think if they can like focus on playing him more in that three four combo forward role and making him the highest minutes guy, they'll be they'll be pretty good this year. Right, and you you would think that that should be a given with no Marcus Morris. I mean, unless yeah. you really believe in John Luer, you know, there's really no uh, alternative except going to Tobias Harris for big minutes. So 
yeah, I like that call. I, I think he's a, a good player for sure. Good fantasy pick, too, with that scoring. He's kind of just, like, good at everything, you know? Like, that's a good fantasy player. Yep. Um, Let's talk X-Factor. I'm going to go with Luke Gennard, who I mentioned earlier. Apparently, they love this kid, um, and they certainly could use some shooting on the perimeter. I could see if he does live up to expectations, their best lineup being, you know, Tobias at the four and Kennard At the three. Yeah, exactly. So... I think that if he plays well, there's an opportunity for him to earn, you know, a pretty significant amount of minutes this year. Yeah, Kennard's my number two X factor for them. My number one is Stanley Johnson, who we haven't said yet. Uh, if they can get this this wing trio of Harris, uh, Stanley Johnson, and Avery Bradley all on the court at the same time, living up to their potential on defense, I mean, that's a tough wing defensive group to score on. The Stanley's problem has always been that he just can't really score at all. He's just an athletic guy, and he's kind of clogged up the offense a lot. If he can even just get to okay on offense while still being excellent on defense, I think the Pistons are going to be a really tough out just because of their uh, strong wing combos. Yeah, that's a great call. I mean, Stanley Johnson, definitely a bit of a forgotten man last year, but you know he was a lottery pick. It's not like they sh- they're going to look to give up on this guy after two years. So uh, I could definitely see him you know, having a, a bigger factor than, than people expect. Um, yeah, he he's the guy that that kind of hinges their season for me because if he like they're over under, you said it already. They're minus one fifteen both ways. Like people don't really know how good this team's gonna be, and it all kind of hinges on these guys that no one really knows how they're gonna fit on a new team. But I think Stanley's the one that if he's good, there's no way they're under to me. All right, so you gave your bold prediction about Tobias. I'm gonna go back to Ish Smith, and I'm gonna say that by the end of the year, this guy's the unquestioned starting point guard for the team. Wow. Wow. This was maybe the toughest team for me so far to come up with a bold prediction for. I don't know why, but they're just like a, there's just, I feel like everything is kind of set with them for the most part. That was really the only thing I could see that, you know, really isn't in stone at this point. It's weird because with a lot of teams that have a lot of roster turnover in the offseason, I have a lot of intrigue in what they're going to be coming into the season. But with the Pistons, I oddly just don't because I feel like a lot of their switches, like Contavious for Avery Bradley, it's just like a better version of the same player. Right. You know, like I don't have a ton of intrigue in this team just because I feel like I know what they're going to be. And that's why, like you said, it was hard to think of a hot take. And I, I thought my Harris was way better than anyone else was going to be good. But you just may, put it right down. So <laughs> This is my thing. I've just been going super hot on all these takes. I'm probably 0 for 14 at this point. But it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. We'll keep churning. I'm sticking to my brand. Uh, That's all, right. all right. Let's finish up the division with the Chicago Bulls. Uh, they're coached by Fred Hoiberg. This is his third year with the team. Last year they were forty-one and forty-one, but this is obviously going to be a, a drastically different team. They were tied for sixth in defensive efficiency, tied for twentieth in offensive efficiency, and twentieth in pace. Uh, their division odds are plus ten thousand to win the division, and their over/under is only twenty-two. So Vegas has them pegged right now as the worst team in the league. They lost Jimmy Butler, Dwayne Wade, and Rajon Rondo, who were probably their three best players and three highest usage players last season. And they brought in a whole lot of question marks to replace them. Chris Dunn, Zach Levine, who's still injured, Laurie Markkinen, uh, a rookie who, to me personally, has an Andrea Bargnani kind of vibe, <laughs> uh, Justin Holiday, Quincy Pondexter, and Antonio Blakeney. So... Let's just throw it out there. Do you see any viable options on the Bulls this season? Gosh. Your only chance has to be Robin Lopez, who had that hilarious quote the other day where he was at practice and said, oh, my gosh, I'm the best player here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, he's uh, he's okay on offense. He's great on the glass, and that's the only reason he might have a chance to be a DFS kind of guy. But, I mean, man, his team's just going to stink, so it's going to be hard for him to do much. Uh I, I'm trying to think. Justin Holiday might be my second best choice on the wing. He'll probably be their leading scorer until Levine comes back. But no, I'm not streaming anyone on this team. All right. Well, let me maybe then try to sell you on Nikola Mirotic. Uh, no, thank you. <laughs> no, thanks. He's uh, he's not going to do a whole lot at an efficient rate. I mean, his shooting percentages, I think, are going to be pretty brutal. So that might limit his impact in uh, seasonal leagues. But I think for a DFS purposes, this guy is going to be someone who shoots the ball just a tremendous amount of time. <laughs> that is true. I think if I said just... I forgot about him when you asked me the question, I would be telling the truth. <laughs> I think he's just going to be hoisting all season. <laughs> and we've seen him have some big games in the past. I mean, 
he is the definition of a GPP play. I mean, trusting him in a cash game is is not advised. <laughs> but I could see there being multiple occasions this year where he touches for you know forty to fifty fantasy points, given that he might shoot the ball twenty times a game. Yeah, he might he might lead the team in usage when Levine's out. It's going to be re- I have no idea who's going to be the guy on offense for this team. It, it might be him. You know, they're paying him the most of uh besides Robin Lopez of anyone on this team. So maybe he'll be the offensive guy who carries the load. I think he will lead the team in usage. That's for sure. But uh, I, I just don't know. I'm not I'm not a huge Miritich guy. Oh, it's hard to be. I mean, he is just a, a chucker. <laughs> but yes, he is. But um, you know, he's the definition. There are guys who are like guys who are good basketball players but not great DFS options, he's like the opposite of that. So <laughs> we'll see if he can maybe provide some fantasy value. Um, you mentioned Justin Holiday. Uh, anybody else really intrigue you there on the wing? Uh, I'm intrigued by how Levine is when he comes back from injury, but that's not more of intrigue as much as like if he's bad, they're absolutely screwed for the future. Uh they think that they, they're going to get lucky with Quincy Pondexter. When Quincy Pondexter played, it was a long time ago, by the way, but uh, he was pretty good, and they, they took on his salary in that dump trade with the, the Pelicans, and it looks like he's already back. You know, He, he might not play opening night because I forget what he hurt in practice, but he might be back for the year, and he's, a, he's an okay player when he plays. Uh, I'm intrigued to see how he, how he is, more so than Levine, just because I've seen Pondexter be, you know, I know what he can be versus Levine, who's so reliant on athleticism. His injury is going to hurt him quite a bit. Right. Uh, everyone else, uh, no, I'm not really intrigued by anyone else on their wings at all. Okay. I guess I'm a little bit intrigued by Denzel Valentine, especially uh, if they're going to let him play a little bit of backup point guard to start the year. Denzel Valentine is two years older than Giannis. No, I, I understand, and <laughs> I think people make the lazy comparison of, you know, comparing him to Draymond Green because they both went to, you know, Michigan State, and they're both, you know, quote-unquote tweeners. But yeah. he did show some some signs, at least as a three point shooter last year. So, I'm... <laughs> all right. Well, I'm I'm keeping my eye on him. Some some bad signs. Speaking of bad signs, uh, Chris Dunn had just a terrible rookie year. After getting a lot of like rookie of the year hype, do you think that he can bounce back this season? That was so strange because he was so awesome in summer league. You know, he he deserved all that rookie of the year hype. By the way, uh, hot take, not related to the Bulls, but still related to this. Dennis Smith Jr., great summer league, might have a Chris Dunn-esque year, but I still think he's going to be awesome. Interesting. Anyway, uh, Chris Dunn's really good on defense. I know he's already kind of older too, but I think he can be better. I mean, I don't really think he can be worse, but rebound per se, it kind of depends on what you define as a rebound for him for expectations. If you think he can just be like a quality backup who can play some good defense, yeah, I think he can do that. But if you think he's going to step in and be there, you know, start start quite a few games and kind of lead them into the future, I, I don't think he's going to rebound that high. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm I'm selling all my Chris Dunn stock if I still have <laughs> any left. Yeah, me too. All right, poor who, guy. Who's your X factor for this team? I guess this wow. is a whole team full of X factors. <laughs> yeah. Uh, someone's going to have to step up for them just because they need a future and they don't have one. Uh, Lori looked awesome in Eurobasket, and I liked watching him. A lot of Porzingis comparisons. Let's pump the brakes there, of course. Uh, man, I don't know. Maybe uh, Cristiano Felicio, if he can uh, shoot as well as everyone's saying he was when he got that four million or four years, $32 million contract, he could be an X-Factor just because they'd have a quality center on the court at all times between him and Lopez. But uh, I don't see anyone else really being an X factor. They don't have a point guard who can help them enough, and they don't have anyone on the wing besides maybe Levine, who's going to be good enough to to get them victories. So I'll, I guess I'll just say Cristiano Felicio. Sadly, I want to know what happened to Bobby Portis. <laughs> Free Portis, remember that? Yeah. yeah, like he was he was like so hyped, and when they had you know all these guys blocking his way, and he's never been able to see the court. I mean, he had some moments down the stretch last year, but he would follow up those moments by just being awful. So I want to say Bobby Portis, but even with only, you know, Miritich and Markinen and Robin Lopez in front of him, I still don't know if he's going to be able to make an impact this season. So uh, it's it's a bit of a cop-out answer, but I guess, you know, I'm, I'm going with no X factor for this team. <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a fine answer. And their X factor could be someone they get later. Uh, they're probably the most they're gonna, I think they're going to lead the league in trades just because they have a lot of cap space. They have a $15 million trade exception for Jimmy Butler, and they want assets because they have 
they have what they would call assets, but what most people would just call players. So we'll have to see <laughs> with them. All right, and let's get uh, the the hot take here on the Bulls to end the season. Yikes. Um, Robin Lopez is a top 10 fantasy center. Is that a hot take? Yeah, that's definitely a hot take. Okay, I think he's going to play a ton. I think he's a good player. I think he's imminently available for trade to a team that could make him even more valuable, and he's an excellent rebounder. So, yeah, uh, that is my incredibly hot take. I like that. Uh, I'm going to say that Miritich averages 16 points per game this season on sub-40% shooting from the field. I will never watch the Bulls again. (laughs) (laughs) That's my bold prediction. I really do. I just don't know who else is going to – I guess when Levine comes back, you let him handle the offense. But until then, unless they're just planning on, you know, being the slowest paced team in the league and just trying to kill every possession, I really don't know what they do offensively besides let him shoot. You know, it's like when I talk about the Sixers from 2012 to 2014 or 15 on podcasts, I always say like, you can't credit these stats at all. Like so many guys had career, whatever, scoring, rebounding, assisting years, even the Nets the last two years. So like, I think the Bulls are that team this year where like, someone's going to have a crazy career just because, like, someone has to score the ball, you know? Right. He's going to have the Michael Carter-Williams year. Yeah, and I don't know. I just don't know who it's going to be. No one stands out to me as, like, that guy. Maybe, oh, man, I, I don't even want to, I can't even guess. <laughs> Holiday would be my, my biggest guess. I think people sleep on Justin Holiday, but I don't know. I don't know. All right, well, that's going to do it for this NBA edition of On the Daily. For Tony, who you can find on Twitter, at TEastNBA. I'm Matt LaMarca, at Matt LaMarca. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to On The Daily, the Road of His Daily fantasy sports podcast powered by Road of His Radio. And special thanks to Randy E. Aguabo for the introduction. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the established Road of His Radio feed. Contact us via email on the daily DFS at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at on the daily DFS. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Factory.